Welcome to Technology Transfer IP. Technology transfer is the process by which valuable research, skills, knowledge, and technology developed by educational institutions is transferred to industry for development and to products and services that will benefit society. From basic patent licensing to promoting startups, entrepreneurship, and industry collaborations, while also investing in and managing technology developments. We bring you conversations with the leaders in technology transfer who will share their stories, including their successes, challenges, and expectations for the future. Here's your host, Lisa Mueller. Hello and welcome. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Terry Willey. Terry is the Managing Director of Indiana University Ventures and manages their three venture funds, the Indiana Philanthropic Venture Fund, the Shoebox Fund, and the Innovate Indiana Fund. Terry is a member of the Dimension Mills slash Velocity Investment Committee and advisor to OnCode Institute in the Netherlands, Spinout Denmark, the University of Michigan Frankel Innovation Initiative, and Cold Spring Harbor Laboratory. Terry serves on the board of several early stage companies and is an investing member of five funds. Terry's career has been about starting and reorganizing university technology transfer programs, launching new early stage funds that invest in university science-based ventures, and lately investing in underrepresented founders. Terry has served as vice president of Cold Spring Harbor Laboratory, leading a new program for industry engagement, new ventures, and intellectual property licensing, vice president for technology and business development for Mount Sinai School of Medicine, founding chief executive of Cambridge Enterprises LTD, the commercialization affiliate of the University of Cambridge in England, which included the launch of the Discovery Fund, founder and managing partner of Arch Development Partners, a seed and early stage venture fund focused on university and corporate spinouts, business development for Endosite Inc., University of Notre Dame Business School adjunct faculty, and Vice President of Startups at Arch Development Corporation, a subsidiary of the University of Chicago, which commercialized technology from the University and Argonne National Laboratory. Terry's prior experience also includes non-executive board positions with several early stage companies, technology transfer roles at Northwestern University and Purdue Research Foundation, including the partnership to launch Cook Biotech, founding membership on the Indiana 21st Century Fund Board, and business development for international minerals and chemical. Terry has been an advisor to policymakers, universities, and companies, and is a past president of Autumn, a former by fellow of Christ College Cambridge in England, and an Indiana Sagmore of the Wabash. And with that extremely impressive background, welcome to the podcast, Terry. Thanks so much for inviting me. I'm very pleased to be here. Thanks, Lisa. Well, I'm really excited to have you here. And thank you so much again, Terry, for taking part in the podcast. Now, generally, I like to start the podcast off by asking my guests about their journey to tech transfer. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up in Bloomington and at IU Ventures? Um, Sure. Yeah, it's a convoluted route in many ways. Um, I started my career in the chemical industry 
And it was there that I was working with a colleague named uh, Dr. Brenda Politi Gavin, who's turned out to be an important friend and mentor to me throughout my career. And she was the one who first introduced me to the Society of University Patent Administrators, which was the original organization that's now called Autumn, the Association of University Technology Managers. And she introduced me to this concept of why patents were important. That is, they created incentive to invest in ideas that were complicated and took a while to develop to the point where they could have an impact on society. And that it was very important for universities to be able to manage those assets and to manage intellectual property so they could attract partners to use commercial channels to take those ideas to the public, to patients and so forth. And it was such a compelling idea and a bit of a paradox where you're working between for-profit and not-for-profit systems to have an impact. And so that's where I started my journey and ended up uh, interviewing for my first tech transfer job at Northwestern University in the 80s, not too long after the time the Bayh-Dole Act passed. And from there, uh, my vocation has been working between universities and, and companies to commercialize inventions coming out of universities from Northwestern to Purdue University, which has quite an important history in the Bayh-Dole Act, and then um, on to founding a venture fund to focus on spin-outs coming out of universities, and from there to, to England, and back from England to New York, and from New York to Bloomington, Indiana, where I am here easing into my retirement, supposedly, but <laughs> failing at that. And I joined Indiana University's affiliate, IU Ventures, a not-for-profit affiliate, to help launch and manage a new venture fund that is a donated pool of capital. So IU Ventures is a 501c3 uh, 501c3 affiliate of Indiana University and it's a it's focused on assisting students, faculty, staff and alums with advancing high potential new ventures that they have founded and we do this through investing, investing directly and through one of our funds or through co-investment from other venture funds we work with and most recently through facilitating investing from a growing group of angels, high net worth individuals that are keen to support IU related and IU founded companies. And I think IU Ventures has a number of very important and key programs that help you achieve that focus, don't they? They do. It's a uh, it's a group of programs, again, very much focused on investing directly and connecting to other investors and then connecting to other assets you need when launching and supporting successful small businesses, including talent, finding those business co-founders and so forth. Most recently, we've launched an angel network with a growing number of individuals investing in companies that we put in front of them that, that we think are exciting opportunities. 
In addition to that, we have an IU funders and founders network of individuals who many are successful entrepreneurs and want to share their journeys and provide support for other new ventures. We have the IU Ventures Funds, including the Indiana Philanthropic Venture Fund, which is the one I came to launch and manage, which is a donated pool of capital, an evergreen fund that invests like a best practice, because we are a best practice early stage seed fund, and then we use our equity realizations to reinvest in future opportunities. We also manage the Innovate Indiana Fund, which is a fully invested pool of capital, and we manage those equity assets, small companies that continue to need support to enable their success. And most recently, the Shoebox Fund, which is another small donated pool of capital that we invest specifically in promising student spinouts. We also have a couple of very, very new programs and EIR program executives, entrepreneurs, and investors in residence who serve as an extension of our team in supporting our portfolio companies and company founders. And a program that will just start in a few days, September 1st this year, our Venture Fellows Program, which is an opportunity to work with a very select few of graduate students who will work alongside us in managing our fund and angel investment assets. So talking a little bit more, digging a little bit deeper into IU Ventures, can you tell us how it's structured? Sure. Um, as I mentioned, it's a not-for-profit affiliate, and we report into the university through a board of directors. So we're an affiliate that is there to support Indiana University in its missions. We report through a board of directors that are comprised of individuals from inside and outside the university, and that board is chaired by Indiana University's VP for government, uh, government relations and economic engagement. Our investment committee is a subcommittee of, of that board. Our president and CEO, Tony Armstrong, is an employee of the university and chairs our investment committee. The rest of the team are employees of IU Ventures, and we operate in many ways like a small company with four full-time people and three part-time employees. Among this small, determined team, we lead and manage those programs I mentioned earlier, angel and funders and founders networks, fund management for three equity portfolios, accounting and operations, donor fundraising, communications, student experiential learning, including the new Venture Fellows Program, and seven executives, entrepreneurs, and investors and residents who support our growing company portfolio. We work closely with the Technology Transfer Office at IU, which is awesome, and which reports to the VP of Research. We also work with their Office of Business Engagement, also in the VP of Research Office. We strive to stay connected to numerous programs emerging in and around our university, which encourage entrepreneurship, commercialization, and venture as a way to support resilience in individuals and the economy. Now, Terry, in addition to all your tech transfer and commercialization experience here in the U.S., you also spent some time in the U.K., as you mentioned a little bit earlier, and you, in fact, were the founding chief executive of Cambridge Enterprise LTD, which was the technology commercialization affiliate for the University of Cambridge in England. 
Can you tell us a little bit about uh, the story of how you ended up in Cambridge as well as your experience there and what led to the launch of the Discovery Fund? Um, Sure. I was focused on managing an arch development partners and the venture portfolio there when I was asked to consider a new role at the University of Cambridge. Arch Development Partners is an early stage venture fund that I co-founded with Tom Churchwell in the early 2000s. In fact, we did our first close in 2001. And it was a fund that was founded specifically to invest in university spinouts in the Midwest. And we were at a point with that fund where we were thinking about whether or not to raise fund two. And I got a call to see if I might be interested in this opportunity at the University of Cambridge. They were working on a plan to set up an affiliate to the university to house and support technology transfer and corral other university commercialization and venture efforts efforts in and around the university. They were also implementing a new patent policy, shifting from the inventors owning in the first instance to what we are accustomed to under the Bayh-Dole Act here in that the university owns in the first instance. So it was an interesting environment compared to what I was used to in the US. That is in the UK, they were moving from a inventor ownership in the first instance to an institutional ownership in the first instance where the Bayh-Dole Act was taking things in a different direction where we were moving from a decentralized ownership of inventions by the government in the first instance to to one where the university would own in the first instance. So lots of uh, good things to think about with this opportunity. However, I initially passed on the opportunity and it was my daughter who convinced me to reconsider when they called back to invite me to campus. I'm so glad I did. And especially because of the people I had the opportunity to work with and support. The Discovery Fund was an initiative that we launched as part of Cambridge Enterprise, the affiliate of the university, which was a donated pool of capital, one that we launched in conjunction with the development office at the University of uh, at the University of Cambridge, and it was a fund that we included as part of a portfolio funds we managed at the University of Cambridge. And it is also a structure that is the same structure as the IU Ventures Indiana Philanthropic Venture Fund. Now, what similarities and differences did you observe between angel investing and fund creation in the U.S. versus the U.K.? There are very few big differences, really, but some very interesting nuance. The Cambridge community had and has a well-developed angel and venture investment community. Initially, this was a community focused around computer science and software-related spinouts, and then gradually crossed over into biotech. There were a number of small funds seeded by the government, for example, the challenge funds, to facilitate spinouts and technology transfer, and a big difference in addition to encouraging commercialization of certain government-funded research results and engagement with industry 
financial support was provided as grants to universities to staff technology transfer functions. So in general, the technology transfer programs were better staffed in the major institutions and economic impact from university research was more likely to be accepted as part of the university mission. The other nuance was that it was an environment that lent itself to running experiments in different ways to incentivize, facilitate, accelerate technology commercialization from universities. So it was an opportunity to work with a lot of different types of organizational and business models and see what worked. I had the benefit of Lita Nelson's work with Praxis and an exchange between Cambridge, the University of Cambridge, and MIT in Cambridge in the U.S. to share learnings and a few staff. And this preceded my arrival at the University of Cambridge, and I'm forever grateful to Lita for her groundwork there. Now, what have you observed with respect to angel investing and fund creation during the last 18 months of this uh, what seems to be never-ending pandemic Any thoughts on where things might be headed? My observation has been and is it's full steam ahead. We've seen the initiation of several new funds in our regions and in the Midwest under Jason Whitney's leadership at IU Ventures, our executive director for our angel network. We launched our angel network in February of 2020, and it it has been full full speed ahead ever since with steady increases in members joining us and members actively investing in companies that are proving successful in fundraising elsewhere as well. We've had almost 100% attendance at our investment committee meetings, which we hold monthly for our funds. And this provided momentum for continued fund management improvement. And it lifts our spirits to have this kind of engagement from our investment committee. We hesitated for a couple of days to get our bearings in March 2020, then switched to virtual work and pushed ahead and tried to focus on what we could do to support our founders and our companies. In the end, it was our company founders who inspired us with their resilience their creativity and working through a difficult time, driving home the point of why entrepreneurs and small companies are so important to the U.S. economy and especially so as we manage through this pandemic and facilitate the post-pandemic recovery. The pandemic has exemplified the importance of the Bayh-Dole Act and what it stands for. Absolutely. I couldn't Agree with you more on that one. And in fact, that's a good segue to my next question, which relates to the Bidol Coalition, which you're a member of. Can you tell us a little bit about your involvement with that coalition? Now, Indiana University, as well as two other major universities in our state, Purdue and Notre Dame, are members of the coalition, and rightfully so, considering its foundations in the act in the state with our Senator Birch Bayh. As someone who started my career in the early 80s, I was introduced to the act while working for industry and have experienced its evolution and impact. We are members of the coalition because the Bayh-Dole Act is solid, smart, bipartisan legislation, which facilitates and enables commercialization of university research results for the benefit of society. This act facilitates small business, substantial U.S. manufacture, commitment to commercialize 
by the companies accepting the licenses of university intellectual property. And all these aspects are critical to a vibrant economy and even more so for post-pandemic recovery. Now, Terry, over the course of your career, you've been a strong advocate for the Biodole Act. Um, could you provide your thoughts on some of the attempts to weaken Biodole, specifically this continued discussion around drug pricing and marching rights, and then most recently, President Biden's executive order on promoting competition in the American economy? Uh, yes, I expect that attempts to change this act have been well-meaning, yet clearly could unintendedly undermine the impact it has had and will continue to have in making sure important discoveries reach the public. We all want reasonable drug prices. This act does not create pricing problems. Changes to the act is not a solution. There are other appropriate legislative and policy routes to achieve this. And I would recommend that anyone interested in the subject look to the coalition website for papers and discussions on this topic. Yeah, Joe Allen's been very uh, vocal and instrumental in leading um, some of those discussions, that's for sure. So switching gears again, I wanted to ask you about equity, diversity, and inclusion. That's a very important topic that's being discussed in tech transfer offices all around the world. Can you give us your thoughts on EDI and what you think tech transfer offices are doing well in that regard and what perhaps they might need to work on? Historically, there has been good organic gender diversity especially among the leadership in our profession in tech transfer. Perhaps that accounts for some of the success we have seen in this complex and difficult arena. Our approach to diversity now, and it is overdue, needs to be more intentional. It is the right thing to do, and there is a growing body of evidence that teaches us that organizations with diverse leadership Diverse teams and equitable and inclusive cultures build better products, deliver better services, recruit the best people and produce better results. Yeah. And I think um, IU Ventures is actually leading the charge on that. Um, I know IU Ventures has been recognized for investing in diversity and in fact received the 2021 Investor of the Year Mirror Award for its efforts can you tell us how you were able with IU Ventures to have over 50% of its funds investments go towards women or minority-led companies? It was intentional. Okay. It was part of our investment criteria. As we develop an investment case for an opportunity, this is one of the things we look at. Not only because it's correct, but because, and I will say it again, companies with diverse leadership teams and equitable and inclusive cultures build better products, recruit the best people, and produce better financial results. We are members of the National Venture Capital Association and are signed on to their Venture Forward program to advance underrepresented individuals into venture careers. The Mira Award was also a recognition for best practice in fund management and our strong syndication record. Our syndicate partners and co-investors tell us they often struggle to find associate 
candidates with at least two years of relevant experience and even more so to find candidates from underrepresented communities. So our new program for analyst and associate training, our Venture Fellows Program, may make a small impact in this area as we intentionally seek a diversity of candidates for this program. We are also finding that our analysts and associates that we have trained, all women so far, are sought after candidates for venture associate roles with one being recruited away as a, as a chief revenue officer at a growing biotech company and the other as a venture associate for a top tier fund. Our EIR program recruitment was also intentional with the first seven members, all top-notch executives, entrepreneurs, and investors, and all from underrepresented communities in the venture profession. One of our EIRs is an employee of IU Ventures. The rest are consultants. And in his position, we share him with the IU's Office of the VP for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. Again, as we build our plan, there is an intent to learn and carry out best practice in diversity, equity, and inclusion, and to do this in a way that amplifies how we deliver on our overall mission at Indiana University. So, Terry, I wanted to ask you about Autumn. You've been very active in Autumn. In fact, you served as its president at one time, can you talk a little bit about how Autumn has evolved over time and the value you think it adds to the tech transfer community? Well, it's certainly grown. I often joke that when I first joined the organization, being professional meant you wore your shoes to the meeting, and now we number thousands, and we have more and more people who are experts at the important disciplines that make this very complex business possible. I think one of the most important things is that it's a principle-centered approach in doing business. And it is one that bridges the for-profit and not-for-profit worlds. People in this profession, people in autumn, whether they're members of universities or venture funds or companies who are looking to universities for ideas, follow this principle-centered approach. They are all working at the interface of for-profit and not-for-profit business. If you ask either community to compromise too much, again, away from their tried and true practices. It doesn't work. You have to find that place at the interface that works for everyone. It's difficult to make it work, but when it does work, it's one of the most satisfying things that you can be involved in. So Terry, you've had an absolutely incredible and amazing career in tech transfer and commercialization. Can you talk a little bit about what your career has meant to you and what you're most proud of? I'm proud of how the profession has grown and that the impact it's had, not just nationally, but globally. And again, I refer to some very good materials on impact on the coalition website and on the autumn website. But instead of proud, I'm very grateful. It's meant an extended family for me across the world in a field where this principle-centered work is key. It's been important to me because I've had impactful mentors in my life as a result of my engagement with Autumn. I noted earlier Brenda Politi-Gavin, who introduced me to SUPA, 
Marty Rackmeller, my first boss in tech transfer at Northwestern University in the 80s, Bill Badinger at Purdue, each led by example. I was fortunate to work with such principle-centered individuals. This is complex work, and I'm grateful for these people that have met and influenced me and supported me to be a better, well-rounded person as well as professional. And as I ease into retirement, the opportunities to continue to work with longtime colleagues and friends like Kathleen Dennis and Kathy Koo and Lena Nelson and so many others who are thoughtful professionals and to have this opportunity to work with them on program reviews and other initiatives is wonderful. And very importantly, thank you, Joe Allen, for your immutable presence throughout this journey. Well, Terry, I can't thank you enough for all your insights and time today. This has been an absolute pleasure. If any of our listeners want to reach out and ask you any questions, where can they reach you? Sure. They can reach me by email at T-F-W-I-L-L-E-Y at I-U dot E-D-U. Great. Thanks so much again, Terry. It's really been fantastic to have this opportunity to talk to you. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you for listening to Technology Transfer IP. Please visit us online for more resources at techtransferipforum.com. New to Tech Transfer or a seasoned pro? Autumn is the global member organization for Tech Transfer and is here to help you get connected, get smart, and get ahead. Whether you work in academia, research, government, business development, corporate engagement, or startups, Autumn is dedicated to supporting you through education, advocacy, networking, and promotion. Join and you'll receive 20 free live webinars, as well as meaningful discounts on meetings and courses, insider access to a vast network of colleagues to help you through challenges, and a line on new technologies and the university decision makers who license them. Membership is open for 2023. Join us.